My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. The Trump presidency was always going to end like this. It was always going to come to violence. This is not me being an opinion columnist. Donald Trump told everyone what was going to happen, like multiple times over years. In the good old days, this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very, very rough. And when they protested once, you know, they would not do it again so easily. Knock the crap out of them, would you? Seriously. Okay? Just knock the hell. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees, I promise. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. The audience swung back, and I thought it was very, very appropriate. Try not to hurt them. If you do, I'll defend you in court. Don't worry about it. And yes, naturally, when Donald Trump found himself in front of what might be his last rally crowd as president, he did the exact same thing he had been doing for two months. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. We're going to try and give them the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. And then, as everyone knows by now, all hell broke loose. It is hard to put into words what exactly we witnessed today because we have not seen this before. Angry supporters of the president advancing on the Capitol. The evacuation and lockdown of Congress itself, where lawmakers were all set to approve the election result. Protesters who smashed through the doors broke their way into the Capitol, making it to the Senate chamber and throughout the Capitol, overwhelming police. Leading to unimaginable scenes and violence. One woman was shot and killed, and several police officers were hurt. Now, last fall, we had a forecaster on this show to discuss how the transition might happen. If you listened, you might remember that he predicted it would not end well, and probably wouldn't end peacefully. And it hasn't, and there's still two weeks left. But the real question is not what happens today or tomorrow, or even, really, on January 20th. The real question is what happens next month, next year, next time there is a democratic crisis somewhere else in the world, next time another country faces down a politician wearing a populist cloak and calling for violence against the elites and against the media. Was this the end of something bad? Or was it the beginning of something worse? And as the country that has for many decades now been running just a few years behind the United States on most trends, just how far from home 
is the behavior we saw in Washington, D.C. this week. It couldn't happen in Canada, could it? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Balkan Devlin is a senior fellow at McDonald Laurier Institute. He is a super forecaster for Good Judgment Incorporated. He is the forecaster I mentioned in the introduction. Hello, Balkan. Hi. Hi, Jordan. I'm going to ask you just to start because uh, for the last 36 hours, I've seen a lot of different language used to describe it. And you're somebody who deals in a lot of geopolitics. What would what would words would you use to describe what you saw in Washington on Wednesday? Well, uh, unfortunate would come number one, shocking number two. Um, but you know, first maybe it's it's useful to put out what word I will not use, and that is protests. Um, so that is not a <laughs> obviously a protest. Right. Um, people use words like insurgency, sedition. Um, you know, terrorists and so on and so forth. I think the best, um, you know, actually term that describes what is happening or the, the, the people who stormed the capital will be cultists because um, that's what to me seems like they are. They were Trump cultists and not, uh, not necessarily protesters. Um, and of course, it was the boiling up of, of you know, weeks and weeks of whipping up um you know, anger and and fury by President Trump on its base um, about the election and the election results. And you know, this was, you know, the, the writing was on the wall. As you said, I, I'm not the only one who uh, were expecting something along these lines because the, the playbook was very, very clear um, from the beginning. Why do you think if, you know, you outlined it so clearly for us in November, um, other people mentioned it many, many times, pointed to, you know, repeated use of violent rhetoric. And, you know, uh, on Wednesday was certainly not the first time uh, that Donald Trump, you know, ur- urged his followers on to to push the boundaries. It, given all that, you know, why was this still, why did we still seem surprised? Why did the police still seem surprised? You know, why weren't we ready for it? I think that's the big question going forward once the, the shock of what happened um, is over how come the, you know, one of the most secure buildings in the world is overrun by a few hundred uh, people waving flags and this and that um, how, how did that happen um, and I think there are basically two answers to that one either it is you know criminal level negligence on the part uh, of the you know of the DC police and whoever is responsible for uh, protecting the capital. Uh, thinking that, well, they will just march and they will not do this. The second one is, and that's, I think, a, a, even a worse um, you know, outcome, uh, is that you know, they were just standing aside and letting people do it. Um, and that is a much more worrying um, you know, possibility. Um, but either case, it has to be, you know, we have to figure out who is responsible and what was the chain of command that went through this and how and why you know what was supposed to be one of the secure, most secure buildings uh, in the United States and, and everywhere, everywhere else in the world, happens to be overrun in this in this manner. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that we will need to figure out: was it you know, gross negligence and incompetence, or was it an intentional um, act of allowing uh, this this mob uh, to rampage through capital? In the short term, now. 
you know, for the less than two weeks that is left uh, in Trump's presidency, what does this mean? What happens next? Like, do we even, is he still running the show as we're speaking? That's the big question. Um, there is increasing push to get him out of office, either through, you know, 25th Amendment or, or, or an impeachment and whatnot. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to go through. There was a lot of pressure going on uh, yesterday and will be today, but um, I'm not sure about it for two reasons. One, um, the signs that, that, you know, what it requires is, of course, to you know, Pence, uh, Vice President Pence, and eight uh, cabinet secretaries to invoke that and, and send it out. But we see, for example, today the transportation secretary is resigning, and so people are jumping uh, ship rather than trying to push such a change. So uh, I think, you know, the, 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 road, the road to, to uh, you know, invoking the 25th Amendment is not... Um, uh, is not very clear uh, or, or, or getting less and less likely. The second one is, is I think, a lot more worrying aspect, and that is when when a YouGov uh, poll yesterday, a snap poll in the middle of what is going on in Capitol, found that 45% of Republicans found uh, what is going on in Capitol justifiable, and they support what is going on there. And that's, you know, half of Republicans think it is okay to, uh, for a mob to, to sack uh, capital. And that is uh, unfortunately not lost on most of the Republican um, establishment, um, including the one in, in the House. I mean, remember, despite all what happened, the, the majority of the uh, GOP representatives in, um, in the House voted to, uh, to overturn the results. Right, so they are not. Um, so they would, you know, despite all the sort of outrage, they might be uh, expressing in today and tomorrow, in, in the next couple of days. They also started to think that well, if half of the base thinks that was okay, and I will be, you know, having facing elections in the in the next two years or whatnot, well, should I push for uh, the impeachment uh, of 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 the Trump base or of President Trump? Uh, what will be the base reaction? So I think they will get a lot of uh, cold feet. So. I think that there will be an you know, increasing uh, pressure uh, coming from Democrats and others in, in the media to to invoke either the 25th Amendment or you know to carry out an impeachment. Uh, but I'm not sure that would there's sufficient time to to go through it and would have sufficient Republican support both in the administration or in the Congress uh, to go through it. I think there's still like maybe a 15, 20 percent possibility that could happen, but I don't think so. So I, so I think Trump will finish uh, the term now. What happens is I think there are two possibilities there. He either uh, will make a deal uh, in the sense that, okay, I will stop burning down the house um, in return for you know for an agreement or, or a safe passage sort of argument uh, that they will not be coming after him uh, after the election, or um, that he will need to lash out somewhere else. If he cannot do what he wants at home, my uh, fear is that he might turn abroad. Uh, so he cannot get what he wants uh, domestically. His party is turning against him. You know, uh, Senate Majority Leader and, and, and the House Leader and everybody seems to be turning against uh, Trump. So he needs to vent that frustration somehow. And one tool that he still has is the command of the U.S. Armed Forces. And as the Commander-in-Chief, he has a lot more, uh, you know, m- ability to do things. He has a much more latitude 
uh, in terms of foreign policy. So my fear is that he might turn his attention abroad, Iran, China, somewhere else, and um, started uh, to engage some level of military conflict and and whatnot without necessarily worrying about it. And then there are two, you know, and if you if you're going to fork that particular future, and then it, let's say he assumed assumed that he wanted to, you know, order strikes against Iran, just making it up. Um, well, there are two options. Either the military carries that out or they refuse. I'm not sure which one is worse. Uh, I'm not sure which one is worse in the long term, whether Trump starting an, a war uh, somewhere in the world or that the U.S. military refuses to carry out the president's order, setting a, 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 an unprecedented, in that sense, um, uh, you know, situation. Um, that the military refuses the civilian control. So I think we're not out of the woods yet. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think we, we, we reach the zenith of, um, of, this, of this mass, messy, you know, chaotic transition yet. And 14 days is a quite a bit long time. Somebody twi- you know, commented on Twitter saying that, well, that's about the same time, 13 days is about the same time we had with the um, Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, back in 1962, right? So, uh, oh, so a lot, uh, yeah, exactly. So a lot can happen in those uh, in in that particular time. So we will just have to uh, sit and watch. But I think you know we don't have to. Uh, one thing that worries me is that unfortunately we cannot um, relax and see that you know that Trump's shown himself to be you know sort of unable to, to turn over the the election results and carry out his coup and whatever you want to name it. Um, and so we should relax, and 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 the, and the political class is coming together. Well, not necessarily. So there's a lot um, that can go wrong in the next 13 days. Well, I mean, full disclosure: when we invited you on this program, we were going to ask you about uh, what the end of Trump's term means in the big picture for geopolitics in 2021. And now it sounds like we just have to get through the next two weeks without everything falling apart before we can even think about that. Yes, and I think we, I mean, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think we will get through in the next 13 days. I'm, I, I know I'm, I sound a little pessimistic, but this is me being a bit optimistic as well. I think um, we will get through, um, but there is, a, there is a chance, there is a risk of escalation. And I think the long-term effects are actually even worse. Uh, you know, whatever he could do uh, in the next 13 days, you know, short of starting a nuclear war, which I don't think he will even do that, uh, even, even Trump will do that, because, um, you know, he has buildings all around the world, so he doesn't want them to be destroyed. Um, so apart from that way, whatever his damage, the damage he would be doing would be limited, however horrible it is, including starting a war. But the long-term effects of Trumpism um, is is what, what worries me more. Um, you know, there are 70 million people that, that voted for him. And even if you take a very small sliver of that group to be the core Trump supporters, let's say 10%, uh, we're talking about seven million people um, who are completely, you know, bought into this particular cult, and that's a lot of lot of people. Um, uh, and uh, and and as we see today, some are, you know, definitely not shy of using violence, and there seems to be an increasing amalgamation of various conspiracy theories from QAnon to, you know, anti-vax, uh, you know crowd to the hardcore Trump supporters, the white nationalists and and, and neo-Nazis and, and a very broad range of, of fringe elements coming together in this particular sense. And that that particular mixture, that that, that cocktail is explosive. 
Um, and even, it, like I said, if you assume only 10% of, of the voters are you know, hardcore in this in this level, it is a lot of people. Um, and and that, unfortunately, uh, is, is still bubbling. I mean, they're not going to disappear suddenly after Trump leaves office, right? So... It is not uh, as if you know Trump leaves and everybody goes back home and and then we we're fine. So um, looking ahead, the twenty twenty one Biden will be very busy putting you know fires out both domestically and internationally perhaps. Um, so we 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 will um, unfortunately continue to see the aftershocks um, effects of what has happened today, um, both domestically in the United States but also internationally. Uh, but also, this particular polarization is is nowhere um, over, and and we will. Uh, my my worry, and, and that's not only mine, but a lot of people's, is that come twenty twenty four, someone who manages to sort of uh, coalesce that that you know resentment and and bubbling of this 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 uh, Trumpian base into a more coherent and capable. Um, political force compared to Trump. And, and that will be a serious, serious um, security threat to to everyone else, including Canada. So that's that's my worry. So whatever the damage he might do in the next 13 days short of nuclear war will be short-lived, but the effect of Trumpism uh, in the long term is, is, is more uh, concerning. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. I'm glad that you mentioned Canada because, you know, we see... Conservatives up here not necessarily endorsing the violence that we see down there. And in fact, I think even our conservative premiers condemned it uh, when it happened. But certainly, you know, we have seen the rise of populist rhetoric here. Um, There were several small uh, Trump rallies around Canada on Wednesday. You know, how, how worried should we be about that style of politics continuing to uh, rise in Canada? Well, I think it is definitely a concern, um, but I'm glad to see yesterday and today, coming from the conservative leaders, you know, Erin O'Toole was very clear uh, in condemning uh, what has been happening in, in, in capital uh, and, and elsewhere. So I think uh, there is a recognition that the, the spillover, the possibility of a spillover of this American cultural war or the polarization into Canada represents a major um, threat to our, our social cohesion. Um, you know, we, as I sometimes put it, we, we have our own, own issues. We don't really want to import uh, American ones into, um, into here as well. And um, th- that seems to be a recognition, at least, uh, on, on the establishment uh, part of, of the Conservative uh, Party and, and others, that this is something that should be kept uh, outside. And um, I, you know, given the last sort of uh, leadership race and, and people involved in it and so on and so forth uh, in the Conservative Party, I think the threat is not um, as worrisome as, as one, one would think. Uh, but there is still and definitely a, 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 a concern. And I think that can be and should be made explicit in the sense that um, importing 
that sort of uh, rhetoric and, and, and Trumpist sort of um, uh, cult-like uh, approaches to Canada would be very detrimental, definitely, to our, our political uh, culture. How do you stop it, though? I mean, how do you make it explicit enough so that it doesn't happen? I think, I mean, it's, of course, a hard, hard question, but... Um, my my sense is that it starts by identifying explicitly uh, what makes Canadian you know, conservatism different than than say the, the Trumpist version of it. Even if you are you know, per, you know pursuing uh, broadly speaking populist uh, uh, baseline, there are multiple sort of uh, populist examples that one can one can draw on, which does not necessarily include. Uh, the Trumpian, you know, obsession with uh, conspiracies and hoaxes and, and all that kind of thing. That's, I think, a very, a very American, uh, American feature of that. Um, so we we need to sort of make sure that what is distinctly you know, Canadian approach to addressing to the very real concerns that that actually sort of the populists also identified. There is a reason why they they were, you know, in a way electorally successful in 2016 and, and, and over the years. Like I said, it's not all about hoaxes and conspiracies, but they managed to sort of touch a nerve and, and build upon that. And it is, it is important to sort of differentiate how, uh, you know, we could address those concerns of the people, their frustrations, uh, with the system, with the establishment, etc., but not, you know, de- sort of descent into a, a conspiracy theorizing, and that starts with the with the political elite uh, within within the moment uh, of the conservatives and elsewhere to identify that. And I think there is a risk for political gain, to be honest, uh, for liberals and others to try to portray the the, <laughs> the conservatives as. Uh, you know, just you know, Canadian Trumps uh, and 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 Trumpian uh, you know avatars, and that is a danger thing. I mean, it might work well politically because you you create fear, and then do you want what is happening in the United States happen here too? So if you don't, just vote for us. Um, so you know, it might be a good political tactic, but it 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 will be definitely a very bad. Uh, policy for for long term for Canada and Canadian cohesion. So I think there, that what we really need in that sense is uh, a moderation, but also a sense of responsibility on on, on both sides of the um, of the political spectrum to realize that you know neither assuming the the Trumpian rhetoric by the right nor attributing that. To the right by the left is 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 a reasonable thing or, or a smart thing to do uh, in the long term. So that's I think also a, a concern we should have. Not only that the the right way the right sort of move towards uh, more Trumpian uh, politics, but also that the left wanted to portray all right wing policies or, or or the right parties or the conservative party as Trumpian and just sort of creating this reinforcing. Um, cycle. I think that is that is a concern, and that requires uh, an understanding for both sides of the aisle in that sense to realize that Canada is not the United States, and and the Canadian Liberals and Conservatives are not the you know American Democrats and Republicans. My last question for you, because I do uh, like to ask you for predictions. Let's just say um, this time next year, uh, we're closing in on the end of Joe Biden's first year in office. 
Has the U.S. climbed back to, you know, being considered uh, the leader of the democratic free world and and reclaimed some of the space that I think it's lost over the last four years? Um, or or is it just is it just changed geopolitically forever? Uh, I think it's a you know it's a coin flip. It's a fifty fifty proposition. Um, and again, I think part of it is is what we mean by climbing back. Would the would Biden be perceived as a much better deal than, than Trump across the Atlantic and, and Indo-Pacific? Sure he will. Um, will that you know, bring back the same level of trust um, for the United States uh, from its allies uh, as it was pre-Trump era? I'm not sure. I don't think um, that, that one year is sufficient. Um, I'm not even sure four years will be sufficient to gain the same level of um, allied trust for the United States um, that, that it did have throughout you know, the majority of the Cold War period. Um, and one of the reasons is that, and particularly this is true for, for Europe, but, but elsewhere as well, that the, the, the presidency of Trump was a very rude awakening for, for the majority of the European politicians who always assumed that you know, the U.S. will be very Atlanticist and, and you know, the commitments will be there. And you know, so they can, they can comfortably complain about the small things that they don't like about the United States, but don't really need to worry about U.S. going their own way. At least that was the sort of the majority attitude. And, and the realization is that, well, maybe that's not the case. Um, will remain, I think. And also a lot of people in, in, in both sides of the Atlantic and also here in Canada recognize that we can no longer be complacent um, and assume that the Americans will do uh, the right thing all the time or would we'll, we'll continue to protect and act in the in the sort of the public interest of of the Western world more broadly speaking, um, so we the people in Canada, in Germany, in France, in the UK, and elsewhere would start to find ways to hedge against a possible um, you know return of a of a Trump like figure. And even with the Biden administration, like I said, he he will be focusing a lot on domestically. You know, he will try to sort of uh, polish up the image uh, of the United States abroad, but there are forces that that, that are sort of already uh, on the move that would prevent a complete return to the internationalism of, the, say, the Obama or the Clinton years and so on and so forth. So that's not going to happen. Uh, it will be a much you know nicer and gentler version. Uh, but uh, I think there is sufficient mistrust now on both sides of the Atlantic, in, if you think about the Transatlantic Alliance, um, uh, that uh, whatever happened this, this particular year, um, you know, yes, the leaders in Europe will give the benefit of doubt to Biden, but they will be cautious. So, yes, you know, yes, we'll be back to a certain degree. Will it be back completely and, and regain the trust of the allies? I don't think so. And I don't think he will have the time to do the things that would require the allies to go back and trust um, the, the, the United States. And in that sense, yes, things did change um, uh, for the foreseeable future. And we here in Canada also be, need to be recognized, need to recognize that particular fact that we need to now think more for ourselves and you know, reach out and, and work with other allies, both in, in Atlantic and in the, in the Pacific, um, to protect our own interests because, well, the U.S. may or may not be there uh, all the time for us. 
Balkan, thank you for helping us uh, see what might be coming in the future. And thank you for helping us uh, throughout this tumultuous time for America's political yeah. system. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Balkan Devlin, a super forecaster for Good Judgment Incorporated. That was The Big Story. For more from us, including that prescient episode from last November, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can talk to us anytime on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can email us, TheBigStoryPodcast, that's all one word and all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. And you can find us in your favorite podcast player, anyone you choose, Apple or Google or Stitcher or Spotify. Pick it, and if it lets you review and rate us, please do so. And please, always five stars. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. and We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.